What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I see things a little differently. This is your Monday show. I am the Slow Chemical, and we have a lot of good stuff coming for you guys. We have Henny Wrestling coming back. We're going to talk to him about the state of wrestling. We're going to talk to him about the state of WWE, anything he has going on. I saw him doing commentary for a wrestling promotion. I do not remember what the wrestling promotion was or is, and I will make sure I ask him that on the show, uh, which we're recording it this Monday. Yeah, so essentially... There will be no collision or no uh, SmackDown review because I'm actually recording this on a Friday and I'm not going to be back in town at my place until like Monday night. And I'm not, I, I'm assuming I'm not going to really feel like be recording a podcast. Even though I'm recording with him, I don't know if I'm going to have it in me to record two back-to-back podcasts. Sometimes I do that. Um, but either way, at the end of the day... Um, we have that coming up. I'm actually going to ask JT to come back up and uh, talk about what his thoughts are now that it's official. The territories, you may say the territories died many years ago, but really it's official now with WWE becoming part of TKO. There are no more territories. The WWE was the last territory. Now it's part of TKO, and we're going to get into that. Um, I got some real positive feedback from the what if I did. I, th- I got you guys with a little reverse there. Um when I was editing it at that show, I was like, let me just do this. I, I don't know. I just was being weird. But I got some really positive review, uh, from, uh, reviews Yeah, reviews from it. So, actually, I'm going to move forward with uh, the last. I have I have two and a half more. What I think I might do is I might just do. I don't know. I might do them all. I don't know. But we're going gonna to cover the month of September with this. Also, next week, I'm hoping time will allow. Um, as of right now, I have no plans, um, but Wednesday night when AEW hits Grand Slam, um, there's just some matches on that card, which we're going to get into later. Um, I want to review that night, so you guys may be getting a special episode that night, so you guys will definitely be getting two at Wednesday episode. You guys may be getting two episodes on Wednesday. Um, I, my, my week is, things are changing. And they're good changes, and so I'm really happy about that. But I want to start this week off with the what if uh, stuff, then get into the news and notes, um, like we did last week. Except it won't be split. Well, this will just be a part of one show, uh, co- coherent show, and we'll go from there. So the first one I have for week two: What if Bret Hart did not refuse to take the jackknife powerbomb from Diesel slash Kevin Nash? So for background. This is in the archive where I have a whole deep dive into the Montreal Screwdrop. The thing I, I talk about the things I feel like people don't talk about enough, and I actually watched um, Cultaholic's um, portrayal of it. Um, I thought he did a pretty good job as well. Um, I was actually asked to do that show early in this in this show's run, and I did it. So I don't know the episode, but it's literally named the Montreal Screwjob, and it's about it's a it's a little over an hour of me telling the story of '95 into '97 and what led up to everything. Um, but for the context, essentially the thing that Kevin Nash has said is the, the thing that really made him decide to go to WCW was Scott Hall already put his, uh, notice in and 
he hadn't convinced Kevin Nash to go. Kevin Nash really didn't want to leave. And as they're building to WrestleMania 12, there was the Undertaker and Diesel in the co-main event. And essentially what was going to happen was Nash would screw Undertaker up the WWE Championship in January at the Royal Rumble. And then February in your house, uh, Undertaker would screw Kevin Nash. So essentially both parties would have him beat Bret Hart. And because they were screwing each other over, um, that's how he would retain and get to uh, WrestleMania. Now, if anyone's seen the Royal Rumble 96, Undertaker tombstoned Bret Hart. He had him covered in the rest in peace sign, and Nash pulled the referee out and gave the middle finger to, to Undertaker. And so as they're on their way to In Your House in February, the plan was Nash was going to power as a steel cage match between Nash and the, um, Bret Hart. And Nash was going to powerbomb Brett, and then Undertaker would pull Kevin Nash down into the abyss. Well, Bret Hart said that would make him look weak, and he didn't want to look weak. So he refused to take the powerbomb. And when Kevin Nash brought that to Vince McMahon, Vince said, yeah, I talked to him. He's just not going to do it. He's not going to take the move. And so, which is ironic, because... and I. I have some thoughts on that. We'll get we'll get to that later. But um, essentially, well, we, we'll, we'll get to it at some point in time because I think I have another one where I don't know if I do. I mean, let me look at my notes. I don't think I do anymore, actually. Okay, well, I'll just say it then. It's funny how he didn't have air quotes. I'm doing air quotes because he was doing air quotes. Reasonable creative control, right? He still, for someone who always has knocked. Uh, Hulk Hogan for using his creative control. This is someone who did not have creative control, and he had a lot of power. And I, I just think it, those things are overlooked because how much Bret Hart, because of how much Bret Hart is loved. But I just he he said no to a lot of things. So, anyways, so Undertaker, who supposedly does not complain, Bret Hart and Diesel have both told this story. Undertaker at that point in time, when he heard that hey he's not gonna take the move, Undertaker stood up and said. It's not always about you. This makes our match mean more. More. You're being selfish. And he left. Like he, apparently he went off on Brett. And apparently, like Undertaker just never said anything. He just went with the punches. And if you look at some of his WrestleMania opponents, that's not hard to believe. But um, essentially, that is when Nash that night said, "Man, f this," and he went to Scott Hall in the shower and said, "Hey, tell Bischoff I'm in." And that's when he decided to go to WCW. So what if Brett decided to take the jackknife? <sighs> I still think Nash is going to WCW. I think the prospect of money, the Lloyds of London contracts, um, the Sting paydays, I think those are too good to give up at that given time. Because you have to remember, and if you guys don't know the history, Nash and Hall hadn't signed an official contract until February of the following year. They hadn't signed a contract. Everything was just a handshake. And the, uh, the reason why they signed the contract is because Eric Bischoff thought after Jim Ross had said he was bringing back Hall and Nash, he thought that they were jumping ship. He thought he was being played. So he put contracts in their face and said, what, you guys want more money? What's going on? So I think they ended up getting like $250,000 more. And they signed the contracts that day. But they didn't sign it until nine, what, eight to nine months later. So um, I still think that the prospect of all that money, 
because they both have said creatively they, they have been there they have they which is true they have both been in wcw and their creative processes were pretty shitty at that time but at the same time it was really one of those situations where they probably didn't want to go but the, they both have have been vocal they want him especially scott hall and, and honestly at that point in time there was nothing else to really do with nash and wwe think about his run from 94 to 96, early 96, I understand. In one year's time, he's one of only a few people to do it. In one year's time, he won every championship you can win at that time. He won the Tag Team Championships, the Intercontinental Championship, and the WWE Championship all in one year time span. I think only Kurt Angle and CM Punk have done that. And CM Punk had won the World Heavyweight Championship, but in one year time span, he had won the World Heavyweight Championship, Tag Team Championship, and Intercontinental Championship. Kurt Angle did it, and Kurt Angle won the European Championship and Inter- Intercontinental Championship at the same time, won the King of the Ring Championship. Actually, no, he didn't win the Tag Team. So he won all singles. So yeah, he's, he like, he legitimately is one, he had a hell of a run. And then when he lost it, I think he was like, what, 10 days short of a full year as world champion? And his run was unremarkable. Um, that's that's probably because of how he was booked. Like, he became a babyface immediately, and he legitimately main evented with Mabel um, at SummerSlam. I will leave that there. Um, but he had two year run. At that point, there was nothing else to do but to move him down the card. And I don't know how you move him down the card. If you look at his last six months in the WWE, he had a hell of a run. Survivor Series, him and Bret Hart have a pretty great match. You know, uh, Royal Rumble, he has a fantastic moment where he gets super kicked outside the ring. Then he comes in, he hits him, he, he screws the Undertaker and gives a middle figure to the Undertaker. Then uh, February, then uh, then he gets pulled into the abyss in one of the great moments of, of WWE history. And then he has a, a good match. I would say it's a great match with the Undertaker, one of Undertaker's better matches at WrestleMania. Then he has a classic match with Shawn Michaels, no holds barred, where he powerbombs Shawn Michaels through the table. He wasn't the first to go through the table. Bret Hart was, but Bret Hart essentially got pushed into it, but Michaels got powerbombed into it. Um, like, he had a hell of a six-month run with them, but there was nowhere else for him to go but move him down the card, you know? And so I still think he goes to WCW. I don't think there was anything stopping the creation of the NWL. I think all the pieces were perfectly in place at that time, whether it was Hall and Nash's being disgruntled, fans booing Hulk Hogan, Sting not wanting to do NWO. Everything was just in place at that moment. I Even if Bret Hart would have taken it, the fact that Bret Hart would have put up a fight would have caused an issue. I think he still would have taken the money. Number two, what if Shawn Michaels did not retire in 1998? So those of you who are not initiated, Shawn Michaels had a really bad back injury. Um, which forced him into retirement after WrestleMania 14. That's why if you actually see him, like he's like limping around with his, his back. If you look at that match, it's not lauded as a classic. It's a decent match, but Sean was very limited in that match. Um, and he still did a hell of a job. Um, but I think it would have been bad for the Federation. I really do. And I think it would have caused, for, I, I think what would have happened was, because you, you have to understand this too, Sean had been trying to get out of WWE to go to WCW, and Vince was not letting him go. Vince said, no, you're not. You just signed your contract. I'm not letting Think about how crazy that is. When it came to British Bulldog, Jimmy Neville, Nyhart, they, they were able to even buy themselves out of their contracts. 
Vince wouldn't do anything. Vince said, you're not, go- you're not, you're specifically not going to WCW. He told him that. And so I, I believe it would have been bad. I believe they will continue to Generation X. I don't think DX would have been what it became, which is, I think people are more beloved to the second half of the Generation X, the second formation of it, because of what they did. I don't think those things happen. Though. I don't think they become humorous. I think, they, I think they're, they stay devious heels. I, for me personally, I actually enjoyed the first run more, but that's just because at that time, Shawn Michaels was such a dick, and the things he was doing, it just, I love seeing dickdom at his best. I, I just made that up, so don't, don't blame me. Um, but you can't go wrong with either version of those. And um, I believe it would have been bad, but I also believe it would have caused Vince McMahon to finally release him and fire him. With him retiring and him being an on-again, off-again screen per- personality, you can send him home, right? I think, I believe his his uh, his disease would have gotten worse. I believe he would become even more of a dick. And I believe they would have eventually had, Vince McMahon would have had to fire him. I truly believe Shawn Michaels would have been in WCW where he would have felt the same wrath that Bret Hart felt when you're dealing with Hogan. Not had National Hall. National Hall are his buddies. But I think he would have been fired from WWE. He would have gone to WCW. He would have hated it in WCW. And they wouldn't have known how to use a Shawn. To me, when I look at certain people, like example, the reason why I was so against Bray Wyatt ever going to AEW is they wouldn't have known how to use him. Like he would have, like, like, WWE barely knew how to use him, and they helped create the character. AEW just—they don't do well with uh, those type of characters. Like, to me, I don't even know where the fuck Abaddon is. Uh, that's a great character. Now I have worked with her being at Rocky Mountain Pro, but um, she's she has a ton of ideas, and I know she she continues to lose weight and continues to like uh, put uh, get more fit and stuff like that. Um, I don't know, but I, I think it would. I think it would been like this. I think it would been hard to really invest in her. You know what I'm saying? I, I just that's just me personally. You know, I just don't think it would have been. Uh, I just, I, yeah, I think it would been. I think it, I, I just. My bottom line is, WCW wouldn't have known how to use him, and I think he would have eventually gotten himself fired because I don't think he would have ever gotten his issues taken care of. And so I think it would have been bad, but I think you would have seen us in a different universe. We would have seen Shawn Michaels in WCW, and we would have seen it be a complete shit show. He would, Vince would have had no choice but to fire him. I believe Vince would have gotten to that breaking point with Shawn. I do. Number three, what if Steve Austin doesn't retire in 2003? Um, I think he would have stayed in WWE, but I think it would have been hard to elevate anyone else because Austin had so much left. As far as like fans not being tired of him, he had so much time. Imagine, think about this. They got about seven eight nine years out of hogan like before fans start booing booing him let's say seven i would say almost you guys get seven to eight years out of hogan because austin was only in only in year number five as a hot hot baby face and even if you think about it you lose in it you lose the year of 2000 because he didn't wrestle in 2000 so you lose that year entirely so you only have four. And even in the one time he showed a cameo in 2000, that place in, went crazy. I think it would have been hard to put anyone else over him. I do think we would have seen him versus Brock in a proper match. I think we would have seen him versus Goldberg. Um, but I think as you're moving him down the card, I think it would have been hard for the fans to accept that. 
I think, honestly, his injury kind of... You know how they say... This is a very weird analogy. But do you know how they say, if you've ever heard of this, um, whenever someone's born, someone's died for that person to take their place, essentially? I don't know if I believe that or not. But for purposes of this analogy, I'm going to say I do believe it. And I believe as any high-ranking card becomes a mid-carder, someone has to race to the top. Think about this. They didn't know who to put in against Eddie Guerrero, and the pressure of being WWE champion was making Eddie Guerrero like, want to relapse. So he, he said, hey, I got three more months with this belt, um, and then I, I need you to take it off me. And that's why JBL was skyrocketed to the one winning the WWE championship. And so it's someone has to move down in order for someone to move up. And Austin, I, Austin was the rare baby face. Him, Hogan... Yeah, I think those are the only two I can think of that you could put them on the mid-card and it's just weird. It just is, you know? Um, and, and and because they... Also because they never felt like they were mid-card and they never showed it, you know? The Rock always felt like he could be on any part in the card. He could be an opening match, the closing match, the middle match, the second match, third match. Jericho feels the same way. Cena definitely feels the same way. You know, once they start taking Cena off of main events, when they realize, hey, you know, even with Cena being in the main event, these these buy rates are still terrible. Once they, start, they realize, oh, it's okay to take him off. He can put him anywhere, and it's gonna people who are gonna watch Cena are gonna watch him. Um, I think it would have been bad for the business for WWE. I really do. I think they wouldn't have known how to put people. And also, I don't think Austin would have had an easy time putting certain people over. I think I think it, it, him retiring helped everyone else. Four, what if Cody Rhodes does not leave AEW? So, I do think, and I didn't even think about this until uh, someone else brought this to my attention. I completely forgot that when AEW first started, the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes had me overtures towards CM Punk. And CM Punk had put their put it out there that he didn't like being offered contracts via text message. I remember he specifically said something about Cody Rhodes' text message. And Cody said, yeah, man, I'm an offer. I mean, why, why wouldn't I shoot my shot, right? And I never understood that. I don't understand exactly what Punk... Punk has severe, severe trust issues. And I just have never understood why Punk just aims his machine gun at everybody. Uh, if someone made me an offer via text, I'd say, oh, if this is for real, just give me a call. You know, hit me up, you know? And that, that's all That's all it needs to be. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't need to be anything else. No one needs to be offended, um, no one needs to be angry, none of this stuff, but I do, I, I still, I don't, I don't know if brawl out happens. I do feel like Cody Rhodes was kind of like the middle person there. And I think that's why whatever personal issue it was, which I think it really has something to do with his wife personally. Um, I think that's why whatever issue, issue it was, I think that's why I hit too hard because I, t- I truly believe the people who hate the people who absolutely hate the Bucks and Kenny Omega, even though Cody was in the elite he was always seen as something different than the elite. If you think about it, he was the, once AEW started, how often was the elite with him? It was usually the Nightmare family. Lee Moriarty, Dustin, Brandy, Arn Anderson. That's it. He wasn't really seen with the elite after that. They, matter of fact, he's fighting the elite. So, like, having matches with them. So, like, I think Cody would have tamered some things. I don't think we get that Hangman Adam Page promo. I don't think CM Punk burns out and fizzles. I really don't. I think he's going to be CM Punk and have CM Punk things happen. I don't think it gets as bad as it is, though. As far as his creative goes, I don't think it would have gotten any better. 
he said that all those things were his idea. Him not challenging for the world title. Um, he never wanted to turn heel. I think if he stayed on that course, even though he had a classic match on his way out to put Sammy Guevara over, I don't I don't think it would have gotten better. I think he would have gotten worse. Now been his own doing. You know, I, I, I and you know what? I Cena was eager to turn heel. He was really eager to do it. And Vince didn't want to do it. Cody really did not want to turn heel. I wonder how this is going to go when he turns... Because here's my theory and suspicion of Cody Rhodes. And yes, I'm calling a shot, I guess. He's going to win the WWE Championship at some point. He just He's just going to win it. And I believe at some point within the next two years... And I'm being nice by saying it because I really want to say within a year. I really want to say within a year. But within two years, he's going to be heel. He's going to... I just... I, he is. He, he, he's going to be a heel. Now, if he has any say in it, I'm sure he's going to be a face. But I think it's going. To, I think with Vince McMahon and everything we know of him having final say and him making changes, I just can see. I can see Cody being a heel. They love him right now. They really do. But like, once things open up, because things aren't open right now. Literally, it's Judgment Day running everything, and you were, we're seeing the same matches. We just are. But I'm telling you now, it's going to get pretty bad. And I think he's going to turn heel. But if, I, I, but I think my what if is, I think things would have gotten worse for him in AEW. And, and, and I think he, he would have eventually had been forced to turn heel. I think Tony Khan would be like, hey, dude, it's time. We have to turn you heel. But I just don't think he would have. I think he would have gone another year without doing it, honestly. But stuff happened with Steven Punk, I don't think any of that stuff would happen. I really don't think it would have got that bad. What if Orton, what if number five? What if Orton would have stayed heel in 2004? For those who don't know, Randy Orton defeated Chris Benoit for the World Heavyweight Championship at SummerSlam 2004. And the fans were cheering him at that particular... I don't remember which arena they were at, but they were cheering him in that match. Which I, thought, I remember watching that match live. I thought that was, I thought that was really weird. And they shook hands or whatever, and, they, and the fans clapped or whatever. I just think it was one of those fans... I think it was one of those times where fans were just hijacking the show. I truly believe that. I don't believe it was anything to do with Chris Benoit. Because they were cheering him the next night. They were cheering Chris Benoit the very next night. And then WWE made the decision after hearing that um, reaction. They didn't see it as, and honestly, in fairness to them, I don't think hijacking was really a thing at that time. I think it happened every now and then. And then it was like, okay, that was a one-off. But they took this one to heart for some reason. But, uh, But I also feel like, me personally, I feel like that's because... They wanted to turn him face all along. But if he turns heel, or if, excuse me, if he stays heel and, and remains as the World Heavyweight Championship, believe it or not, I still think the same thing would happen. Because Triple H was the leader of that group. And I will say this, Batista got over naturally. Batista was, coming, was becoming a face naturally. And you know what I think happens? I think they kick Orton out of the group still, but I think WrestleMania ends up being a triple threat match. I think WrestleMania becomes... Randy Orton, Batista, and Triple H, which means we don't get that that classic Randy Orton Undertaker match, and because Randy Orton was face 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 until February, then they turned him heel to face Undertaker, because they because they didn't know what to do with him. He was still a face in January at the Royal Rumble. I think the same thing happens. I think he 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 keeps the World Heavyweight Championship until they decide to put it back on Triple H, and then I think Batista still gets over naturally as a face. 
And I think they has I just I just think where I think the difference is I think it leads to a triple threat match between and depends and it's officially evolution blowing up that way. Not the other way. Number six, what if John Cena what if John Cena didn't bury the Nexus? Whew. Lots to unpack here. So I feel like and those for those of you guys who don't know, Nexus was created at the first NXT brand where it was like more of a game show type of thing and essentially Wade Barrett won NXT. And then one Monday night, CM Punk and John Cena are in the main event. And all of a sudden, the, the people, the group Nexus, whether it was Michael Tarver, David Otanga, uh, Brian Danielson, uh, Wade Barrett, a, a number of people show up and surround the ring. And then they beat everybody up. Well, I mean, everybody, they literally, they beat Cena up. They beat CM Punk up. They beat the Straight Society up. They beat Michael Cole up, Jerry Lawler up, uh, Justin Roberts up. And so it became a thing where it was something different. It was, And it felt real. The crowd was quiet. And they, they, they tore up the ring. They, 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 they did a number on this one. It was, it was a great show. A great ending to Raw. And months later, they have this, uh, this elimination match at SummerSlam. Where the Nexus was scheduled to go over and win. And John Cena, who has admitted to this. And John Cena... And not only did he kill it, he changed the finish to where he was Super Cena. And Edge and Jericho argued with John Cena, to, and they pleaded with John Cena to change the finish back to the original finish of the Nexus winning. Cena refused. He felt that it was best for them to stretch it out. Which it would have been stretched out either way. But either way, that night, after he beat him, he killed him dead. And then, instead of him giving the air quotes rub to them... He legit stuck around. He had to join the Nexus. As he joined the Nexus, he won the tag team titles. He got fired, but then beat all of them up. It was super fucking weird. Like he didn't. There was no helping him. No one. No one got over from that angle. No one did. Um, and so, it's one of those things where if he doesn't bury the Nexus, I truly believe Wade Barrett becomes WWE champion. At Survivor Series, I really do. I I don't. There was there's no rumors of this. I haven't heard any Wade Barrett interviews that says that he would become World Heavyweight Champion. I haven't heard any of this. Once again, all this is what if, right? All this is just what if this would have happened. I truly believe 125 percent that Wade Barrett is leading the Nexus into it. Now, certain things they couldn't help. Uh, Brian Danielson being fired, he would have been battling them, and then he would have eventually battled The Miz and still gone on his path to be winning the U.S. championship and all that good stuff. But, um, no, I definitely believe Randy Orton, who was a WWE champion at that time, I truly believe he was going to lose that belt to Wade Barrett. I do. Now, where does that leave Miz? Because he, he cashed in money to make? I don't know. Um, but as far as this goes, I believe Wade Barrett would have had a WWE championship run in his future, for sure. Number seven, what if Brawlout doesn't happen in 2022? <sighs> if Brawlout doesn't happen, I believe CM Punk drops the AEW World Heavyweight Championship to MJF. MJF goes on to the run that we have now. And I, and I, and I truly believe CM Punk just goes, he lowers himself. Because if you remember, he didn't want to have the world title to begin with. That was something that, you know, he... Um... Uh, um that was something that Tony Khan wanted. I truly believe Punk slowly goes down to the mid card, which is what he wanted to do. 
I believe we see him working. I see. I, see, I believe we see him work just the matches that he he would have been working. Like he, we saw him working Collision for two months. I see. I see him having feuds with other people. I see uh, him having a few Ricky Starks and the things we've been seeing. Um, and if Brawl doesn't happen, then we get uh, the the run with the trios championships with um, the elite that you know that Tony Khan wanted as well. Um, I also believe we if Brawl doesn't happen, I also believe. We actually have, by now, we have a CM Punk and FTR versus the Elite feud. I do. But boy, oh boy, they did, unfortunately. And number eight, well, if the higher power wasn't Vince. <laughs> so there's been a ton of rumors about this one. And Bruce Pritchard, I, when I still listen to his podcast, um, he had said that the higher power was always supposed to be Vince. Other people he said even people that were air quotes considered, um, he says that they they weren't truly considered because like it just they, they felt in the storyline it made sense for Vince. I believe I've also I have heard rumors about it being Christopher Daniels and no one knew who Christopher Daniels was at the time. I believe that who I believe that if it was someone else, I still don't think it would I still think it would have had the impact that it had, which was absolutely nothing. Because I believe it wouldn't have been a wrestler. I believe it would have been like a more of a manager type figure that you can get your heat that you can get your heat on later on, but I don't believe it would have been anyone impactful. I don't think there was anyone. I, when I look at look at things at the time of who could jump ship and who could have made things happen, there was no one of any of any real name development name stature that would have made sense. There was no one. So I truly believe that. Um, whoever it was, I, I truly believe whoever it was, it would have been the same thing. It would have been a fart in church. That is week two of what ifs. I hope you guys enjoyed those. I have, I have two more of those, and we'll we'll get to, to those in the next couple of weeks. Um, but next up is the show. I see things a little differently as we continue the show. Um, let's start with Impact. Uh, Impact had one thousand episodes this week in a two part. Um. Uh, show one, um, and congratulations to them. Look, Monday Night Nitro, I get it for a degree, they were just the hottest thing on the planet. I think 86 weeks in a row, and it's actually, it's actually funny because Eric Bischoff says 83 weeks, and the Guy Evans Guide to Nitro book is 83, it's 86 technically, um, but I guess. I don't know why he says 83, but anyways, um, that's a really good book. I'm, I think I'm five hours away from being complete with it. I've just been, I don't drive that much where I'm at now. So like, um, it's in bits and pieces here and there. So I, I've been taking some notes, but, um, I will do a show basically just focused on, on that. Um, but essentially impact has, whether they whether they're making an impact, uh, no pun intended, now or not, doesn't really matter. It's another place for people to work. People seem to like working there. You know, Jordan Grace was a free agent and she chose to go back there. And then they said there was a there was interest everywhere for her. She could have gone to New Japan and been in New Japan, or won New Japan Women's Championship, or you know she could have gone to WWE or a, I don't know. I didn't hear anything about AEW. Um, and that, to be honest with you, the way they've been booking their woman AEW, well, <laughs> WB too, but she could have gone anywhere. If we're being real, she showed interest. She could have gone anywhere. I'm pretty sure she didn't go to AEW because 
I mean, her husband was or is uh, Grisham, and he didn't like how the new ROH direction was going. So he that's why he wanted out of his contract, uh, which was a loss for them. But at the same time, when you don't really see ROH on TV, and well, the, the ROH World Heavyweight Championships on TV, I don't think there's one person that knows, not anyone that pays the paywall, obviously. But I don't think that even me, who I'm pretty tapped in, I don't know any storylines going on in ROH right now. I really don't. Um, well, I'm lying. The Athena storyline with her and Billy Stars, uh, where it's clear they're building to a match with her and Billy. But otherwise, I don't know anything. And it's a shame that Athena's behind the paywall. You know? But um, look here. They they have made an impact um, and be, having the longevity that they've had. And they seem to not be going anywhere. It seems that they, they found a model, a business model that works for them. And that um, really helps them um, help their talent. It seems to be making a good living. You know? I'm sure they're not billionaires or they may be millionaires i don't know because i don't know the merchandise i don't i haven't seen much merchandising things but look here if people are happy and they can make a living and then they could probably do work other shots and stuff like that we already know the relationship they they do have ones a slim one but they have one with aew so there's a there's a lifeline there um they also have a, a, a one with a new japan so it's really one of those things where they have done a lot of good for a lot of people and they're still doing good for a lot of people look the morrissey machine guns are there you know and i know they're older now but they could still work a tag team match anywhere you know they were they were all out 2022 you know so um uh, congratulations to them their fans their diehard fans because impact has diehard fans and it's congratulations you know because look if people are happy watching what they want to watch I'm happy for them. As long as, as long as you find your thing, it's not hurting nobody, man. Do your thing. That's how I feel about myself as well. So, anyways, um, with that being said, the newest inductees into the Impact Hall of Fame are Tracy Brooks, which is more than well deserved, and Mike Tanay and Don West. Now they've been asking Mike Tanay for years, many many years, to be inducted. He's always said no, but this year Bound for Glory is in Chicago, which is his hometown. And also, he's going with Don West. And they were genuine friends. And look, you can say a number of things about his commentary, Don West, whether you liked it or not. He helped that company out more than people realize, unless you know the behind-the-scenes stuff. And I've been lucky enough to talk to, to talk to wrestlers. And I mean, I think it's been put out there, too, ever since his passing. Um, but, like, he was crucial to that. that and I actually liked his commentary. You know what I'm saying? Like, to me... He, I would, I would probably say he's probably an acquired taste, but so was Joey Styles. Like, I remember the first time I listened to Joey Styles, I didn't like it. I put it on mute. At that time, I wasn't rest, watching wrestling on mute, so for me, it took me out of the ECW thing. And then I, I, and then I had a friend say, "Yeah, it can be a bit over the top, but dude, just put your TV on low. You're still gonna hear the guy. But put it on low. You, you'll get through it." And I remember watching a few matches like there, a few shows. And it was just fine. Now they would turn up, and I got used to it. And it, I realized that was just his personality. And he did know. And when you had matches like Taz versus Sabu, where you actually have wrestling holds and stuff like that, he was, he he knew all that stuff. He was. The, I think he's still the only person that calls the the Kachahachame. I'm not even saying that right, but everyone else calls it the Taz mission. But like, I'm, I believe he was the only one that really said it like that until Jr. got his hands on it and things like that. But. Um, Don West and I like their combination. I liked how they work. I've always liked Mike Tanay's commentary as well. Like when he was on WCW, 
if you felt smarter <laughs> listening to him talk because he was so educated. He, he he told you about the backstories of the of the wrestlers. It was actually a really good thing. And then so when, I, when I heard he was on Impact or TNA, whatever you want to call it, I was like, oh, that, hell yeah, you know. So it's not surprising. He's been largely out of the public eye since he left Impact. And um, I think he left because there were people there that he just didn't work with, you know, and he just didn't know. And um, he, you know, he, he just, I think he just was okay with letting his legacy be. But honestly, this dude could be in the WWE Hall of Fame, too, for his work in WCW. So these these three are well, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be more people going in, but these three are well, well deserved, really big parts of early uh, impact, TNA, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I'm always, the only reason I keep saying whatever you want to call it is because there's some people whenever I say impact, but I bring it, say team, it's impact wrestling. It's like, all right, calm down, muchacho. It's okay. It's, okay. it's going to be all right. Same shit. Um, and, and so, you know, congratulations to them. That's well, dude, price of admission right there without even knowing any of the matches. And I get the feeling after Mick, what Mickey James said, excuse me, I got the hiccups now. After what Mickey James just said, I have a feeling it's going to be even more worth the price of admission. She she wants to face Trinity Fatou at Bound for Glory. That should be a hell of a match. And Trinity is having a career resurgence. And look, she had a great career in WWE. Going from a Funkadactyl to the Women's World Championship to the Women's uh, to the Women's uh, Over the Top Battle Royal winner of WrestleMania to a Tag Team Champion, like she has done a lot of good things. Hell, she won a match at WrestleMania before Sasha Banks did, and then she helped Sasha Banks win a match at WrestleMania. <laughs> so, so just so for her to be getting this limelight as a, as a solo is really really cool. Um, but yeah, I just I just think it was a really that's just really cool. Will Ospreay. We'll be officially parting ways with one PW. LA Knight has signed a new five-year deal, supposedly, and supposedly this was a thing they were waiting on before they did the mega push for him. I guess that's why the push was kind of delayed because they were waiting for him to be signed to pen and paper. Um, also, here's the thing. I think it was probably a smart move of what just happened this past Tuesday for him to sign on now because who knows what TKO has in, as in mind, and I'll get into all that later. But supposedly it's a five-year deal. No other details are known. I've seen other other outlets saying that they're far apart on money. I, but I, the people who I trust to listen from that, that have the ears in those buildings say the, the deal has been locked down. And so he's getting the megastar push. So there we go. Back to CM Punk. So the Young Bucks have reportedly said they would meet with Punk if he went six months with no issues. Look. I, I'm not going to say again that this is my last I'm talking about because the reality is it's probably not. Um, I think, as I said before, it felt like he CM Punk had to go through the minions to try to keep getting the attention of uh, the, the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks just want nothing to do with them. They just, just, they just, they just want nothing to do with them. And I will, and I will maintain. It's one thing if they, if they were just talent, right? Even with that being said, I know for a fact Matt Riddle's had issues with Roman Reigns. Matt Riddle has had issues with Seth Rollins. As a matter of fact, I believe Randy Orton actually helped Matt Riddle pin a letter to Roman Reigns as an apology for some of the comments he made. And Matt Riddle sent it to him. And Roman Reigns still did not accept his apology. They have both since worked with this man. And I think even as a talent, you should kind of bury your ego to work with someone. But... You don't have to because you're just a talent at that point. These guys have, they have EVP tags, 
which lets me know they don't really know what an EVP is. Um, one, two, um, I feel like, and Cody Rhodes has said it. He said that, that, that when he talks to the Bucks, the Bucks say, we're never going to get the respect we deserve for. I think they, I think it's a big, I think, I think it's a bit of an ego thing. I think they, I don't, for some reason, I feel like they've, I feel like their egos have been attacked for some reason when I can't think of one person that does not appreciate, I don't care. You could be the most viv, uh, avid WWE fan that hates um, AEW. When one a report just came out this week about how WWE has uh, um, interest in Ricky Starks, all the eight, all the WWE fans, we should and we should, dude. People are just trolls. They like, they may not like everything about the product, but they do like certain people. They don't like. There's no way you can hate everybody. You, you know what I'm saying? And now once you have these free agents on the on the, on the list, now they're like, well, we need that person. If everything was bad about AEW, you wouldn't be saying that. It's just a trolling tactic tactic and. It's just whatever, right? So here's the thing. They, as we go down in history, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, right? Even when we're all gone, the Bucks, Omega, Cody will be tied together forever. And yeah, Cody will, yeah, Cody will know, be known for going back to WWE. That's cool. But he'll also be known for being a WWE champion. He'll be known for st- helping start the competition up. He will be known for that, period and bottom line. So... I'm glad this moment is over for the moment. Um, Punk has still not spoken. I'm assuming it's because his lawyers have told him, hey, Ben, you need to not speak. You need to not tweet. You need to not Instagram. You need to focus on just keeping quiet, which I'm sure is not good for his mental health, which is why he probably should get into therapy. But whenever he does talk, the internet will break. We've seen it before in 2014. We will see it again, whether it's the end of this year, the complete end of this year, or next year. He will speak and he will say his piece. And I actually take back what I said. I said last week, I thought he was done. I don't think he's done in wrestling. I can see him making a deal because TKO is, look here. They're in control of WWE now. Whether it would be good or bad, you can bring him in. And you know what I find funny, actually? This is the same week that Rock was at the game day set. And Pat McAfee asked him, what happened with this match and rock said that they had a handshake and that the match was supposed to happen at wrestlemania 39 between himself and roman reigns and that he's open to it happening at wrestlemania 40 you think with these two people out here that's gonna bring first of all you already broken the all-time record for ticket sales you don't think you want to sell out philadelphia now you don't think you want to have attractions not just on one night but both nights give me a fucking break it's about money people so, no, I don't think he's done. Matter of fact, I can see him in WWE now. After after me thinking about it and having a full week to to go off of things, I can fully 100% see it, you know? But the point of it is, is that it drove him crazy to keep his mouth shut, and he was trying to get the Bucks' attention. The Bucks, they, they, they pretty much gaslighted the dude. And look here, I'm pretty sure Kenny Omega, he seems like the adult in the room. Um... I'm pretty sure Omega had no problem with it, but look, these are his friends. These are his best friends, and so they get they, they took their side, which is fine. I'm never gonna be mad at someone for that. I will never blame someone for that. If anything, I'd be like, I get it, 100%. So, with that being said, um, I'm gonna leave it here for now. But I don't know who is going to interview him because Colcaban is out. Obviously, <laughs> that's who that's who gave him the platform the first time. And who knows how much money 
Cocoban made off that one. Um, but whoever gives them their platform, bet you be careful. Lawsuits may be abound. And Tony Khan has more money than Vince McMahon does. <laughs> so, um, they may, they, they may, maybe, I don't know. I, Tony Khan seems to not want the smoke with any of this. I guarantee you he went kicking and screaming into firing that guy. I guarantee it. So, with that being said, it's all we hear from Punk's side. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it there. But this was just ugly. And it didn't need to be ugly, unfortunately. So, so far as SmackDown goes, LA Knight is seen as the number one baby face. While Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits are known as heels, which is interesting because the fans cheer them. So, it's just kind of like, all right, that's weird. Um, but sure i guess you know that's interesting and here we are the last official raw of the territories um of of, the last official raw in the last days of the territories are over tko now owns it it is a powerhouse with vince with a ufc um and i don't think there's gonna be much crossover i mean look here if wrestlers are ufc fans you already see them at the shows anyway um and vice versa so it's not gonna be anything big like that um, the only thing I really can say is I feel bad for people who are being laid off. I know uh, Nick Khan sent um, an email to everyone saying, hey, you guys need to work remotely from home tomorrow so that way uh, HR can do their layoffs in private. So if you don't see people like um, gathering their stuff and crying. I mean, there's a lot of people that are nervous. I know they already let, four, uh, let go of four executives. Um, so I'm more sad for that because... You know, I've been in that situation before. I, I think I spoke about this before in the podcast where I've been a part of two companies that have been a part of takeovers. And, you know, I don't think I've been laid off in either situation, but the rules change so fast. And everything you know is different. And now it's a power struggle. Because now you have people who are coming in, not saying this is going to happen with them, but now you say you have people coming in who want to be the boss or who want to lay the proverbial smackdown on, on, the, on the employees and say, hey, this is how we're doing things. And they don't talk. They just they just take action, you know. And it's just it's it's it, it gets ugly, you know. And so it's it's just kind of unfortunate, I guess. Um, but this is we kind of already talked about this once the, the the buyout happens. I don't want to rehash stuff, and you you can listen to the archives for my my thoughts on WWE. But look here, what WWE was able to do from the WWF days to the WWF days to the WWE days, it's remarkable. You have you went from having this place that really was just northeast. They would sell out Madison Square Garden, and and they were a part of the NWA and or not they they were they weren't a part of NWA but they never encroached NWA's territory. So now you have this promoter's son who has these grand ideas. He buys his father's business piece of the business, and he legitimately starts to take over. And then the people who weren't paying, you know how I see, I see what Vince McMahon did, like how I see AI. I know we haven't talked about much on this, on this podcast, but AI is going to take over, but it's going to take over from people who refuse to evolve. And when I say that, I mean, so I deal, you guys know I do comic books, you guys know I do music. So the people who, example, I don't draw anymore. I just don't, I don't have the talent to draw what I want to draw. I have the talent to, I can do the black and whites and give you the picture I want but you have to finish the picture. Um, but like people who, there are some people, there are some artists in the arts that charge ridiculous prices. And matter of fact, I will 
I might do a show about it, as a matter of fact. Um, this Wednesday, I believe, I'm talking about the Aquaman stuff, and now the Aquaman trailers dropped, so uh, you guys, I, I, I'm interested in hearing your feedback on this Wednesday show. But um, essentially, the people who are now charging $500 for a page, they don't have, they've never sold a book in their life. That's $500 a page. They don't do coloring. They only do inks, you know, and then you have to find a colorist. And the people who are completely outrageous about things, it's going to make them change and get regular jobs. It's going to make them do that because they're they, because they are the ones that kind of muck the market up. It's going to it's going to um, starve them out. And so essentially, what Vince did was say, "Hey, I have a better product, and I can help you make more money." Vince McMahon was the first one to give wrestlers merchandise money. Vern Gagne made a lot of money off merchandise. He didn't share any of that with the, with with the, with the talent. So that's why when I hear when I hear his son Greg say how. You know, he was the owner and the only person you could really trust at the time. So I 100% understand that. But, like, it goes to that line that, that Scott Hall said. Well, if you move that decimal point over just one space, it'll mean a lot to the Hall family. You know, imagine imagine if he would have put the put the title on Hogan instead of, instead of, what, what if that is, um, if he put the title on Hogan instead of putting it off for months, off months, off. He, Hogan was the hottest baby face before he went to WWE. These are facts, not fiction. WWE made it worldwide. He was the hottest babyface in the company, uh, in the world. Oh, excuse me, in the states. And all of a sudden, he did. He Hogan was presented with this thing. Hey, I can get you merchandise money. I can get you this. Like Hogan had made a deal with New Japan to make shirts, and Vergani wanted a piece of that. That's greed. For as great of a promoter as he might have been, that's still greed. Like you have people. This is why it's so. It's not surprising, but like, if you listen to, to a lot of these shoot interviews, a lot of these people like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, uh, Iron Sheik, a lot of these people, oh yeah, congratulations to Hacksaw Jim Duggan for uh, his successful surgery, they were making seven figures off of action figures, and think about this, this was, a, this was a time where you had LGN figures and those little tall figures with no flexibility or anything, like they're called air quotes, no air quotes, no air quotes, classics now, like you had those kind of figures, and they were making seven figures off of them. So you wanted an action figure, and not everyone had an action figure at that time. Now everyone gets a fucking action figure, at least one. So it's one of those things where it's just like, um, uh, it, it's one of those things where they went to that, then you had WrestleMania, which changed everything. Now, Starcade was first, and Starcade will forever be the air quotes WrestleMania of WCW, but it wasn't the same thing. Like, it's easy, like, for me, when I say All Out is the WrestleMania for them, when I say that, I'm saying it's not nowhere near the grandeur of it. What it is, is it's the, um, it's the place where storylines stop and then restart the next week. It's the, it's where the new year begins and the new, and the old year, old year ends, excuse me. So that, that's what I mean by that. I can't speak for other people on what they mean by it. But that's what I mean when I say the, those things, because me personally, I'm just like, no, this is where everything kind of resets itself. And if you look, everything resets itself. Now, this year, because they have ongoing storylines moving through, you know, because of the best friend storyline that just got caught fire. Now you have that's a different story. But normally all out is where that happens. But now you have the WrestleMania years, which are the Hogan years. Then you get into the steroid years and then you get into the new generation years, then you get into the uh, attitude era years, then you get into the ruthless aggression years. Like they have been able to reinvent themselves 
all while having stars, um, all while having a face of the company. Like people thought after John Cena, I even thought it would be hard to have a face of the company. Now, in fairness, Roman Reigns is a face of the company that he's a different face for the company. He is the man, but he's the man on a part-time contract. And look here. One, it's a smart deal for him. But two, that's going to bring so much more longevity to Roman Reigns' career. If you think about how many times he's actually wrestled this year, I would put money it's no more than 15 times he's wrestled this year. I would put my, I'm including house shows, by the way, because he doesn't have to work house shows very often. So his body's going to be healed up. I'm not saying he's going to be the, the best face of the company. Ever. No, that will forever probably be John Cena because he did because of longevity, you know, but no, but for what they were able to do. And, and I, I truly believe we're not going to, I believe, I know people are expecting mass layoffs for a town. I don't think those are going to come. Yet. They haven't signed anybody. What, what budget cuts, <laughs> you know, like they're probably going to do the, the employees first. And then I can see there being some layoffs at the end of uh, WrestleMania next year. Um, just because there are some people under contract that I don't understand why they're under contract. Like, I don't get, I mean, I know why Luke Gals and Carl Anderson went back to WWE. The money. It's clear the money. They're barely on TV. And, but they were smart enough to put in their contract this time. If they're not needed for TV, they won't fly in. You know, I'm sure Mia Young's making a nice penny. She does nothing but hang with AJ Styles. You guys know about my love for Mia Yim, so I'll leave that there. But um, at the end of the day, they that that homegrown family business has d- did a lot, and I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, if if we dig deeper into it, there will there will be books about this. Someone will be the guy Evans in, in a few years, and they they will get numbers and interviews from people of Stephanie McMahon stepping down, Vince coming back after the scandal. Think about this. This man went through a scandal the, the way he went through a scandal. He paid off the people he needed to pay off. Sold the company for $9 billion. I didn't think he was going to get $9 billion. He got, dude, he sold his company for the for football franchises. The highest for a football franchise in history is $6, million, $6 billion, and that's from the, the, the Washington Commanders. That just happened this year because they're a terrible owner. He got $9 billion. And matter of fact, the sale couldn't have happened without Vince being on board. Arazi has said, oh, the only reason I made the deal is that the deal doesn't happen if Vince McMahon, if Vince McMahon is not on. Holy crap on a cracker, Batman. Um, got nine, one million, he bought the company for $1 million. $9 billion. So, you know, look, the company is the reason, is a part of the reason I'm a fan to this day. I will never stop being a wrestling fan. Um... And, and we'll see as things come. We'll see if they go back to... I don't know if it's going it, to... It can't happen until their deal with Peacock kind of ends and they have to renegotiate. Um, but we'll see if they go back to the traditional pay-per-view market. Um, like, here's the thing. They they went to Peacock because they don't have to worry about numbers. They gave Peacock more content. But, like, think if you think about this and just in the... Just think about it. Um... Here's how crazy this is, okay? If they go back to doing traditional pay-per-views, if they do things the way that UFC does, where you pay a, a fee for Peacock or a streaming service, whatever, and then you pay 60 bucks for pay-per-views, 
look, people still pay 50 bucks for traditional pay-per-views from AEW. I just don't think you could, no matter how hot the product is, I just don't think you can justify or expect, excuse me, expect, not justify. You can always justify something. I just don't think you can expect 800,000 pay-per-view buys on pay-per-views like Payback. I don't, you should not expect that. <laughs> you know, that was, it was a decent pay-per-view, but I pay $13 a month for my Peacock because Peacock just went up. So I can't justify not watching it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't even pay 50 bucks for a pay-per-view that I knew was going to be a good show. I knew it was going to be a good show. Just, no, I want more build-up for me. Now, does AEW have my trust? They should have my trust. That, and, that, and, and someone asked me that. And, and you know, that's, and, 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 and for um, Carl, that's fair. I said, I said to him, I said, you know what, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. You know? Um, and so, they do have my trust. I guess I was just like, I think it just made more sense to do a bundle. I really do. I would I would pay for the bundle. You know, I just would have. You know? So and anyways, um bottom line, I just want to salute them and look, nine billion dollars, man. And I know Nick Khan got like thirteen million dollars because of the sale. Triple H got seven million dollars. I think Vince got fourteen or fifteen billion. A million, excuse me. Look, everyone look here. Everyone's making money. The the product is a very hot product. Um, they're selling out everywhere. AEW's not selling out. Their ticket sales have, that it's concerning, and I know we don't talk about much about ratings or sales here, but that it, it, yes, someone has asked me that question. A few people have, have asked me that question. It's concerning, but it's one of those things where they don't feel hot right now. They feel like they're different. They feel like they they feel like they're, they're fan base, um, but they don't feel hot, um, and. That's why, in my predictions, I'm going to make a suggestion that might make something hot. I don't know if it's just me sniffing hopium today, but I have an idea for that. But either way, they're hot right now, you know, and so and wrestling's hot right now. Just just uh, it's it's a day that we will remember for sure. So, moving on. At the end of Raw this past week, apparently this person has been signed for a month, and she just made her return. Nia Jax. Boy, oh boy, did the internet blow a gasket. Literally, did they blow a fucking gasket when this woman came on their TV screens. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, people were saying everything from, she wants competition. We want a competition not to kill her. It was everything you could imagine. Um, I don't know why you guys didn't see this coming. Um, I sh- no, no one else had any interest. Let's be real. AEW didn't want her. Impact didn't want her. A, why would AEW want her? They have their own version of Nia Jax and Nyla Rose. They just do. They already have that version of it. Um, look, do I want everyone to be safe? Of course I do. Do I think she's had some mishaps in the ring? Sure. So is Seth Rollins. He's had some mishaps in the ring. He's hurt a couple people. Um, and so I, I'm not. I hate being one of those one of those people that says shit happens, um, but things do happen, unfortunately. And, um, I, I guess where I'm at with this whole, this entire situation is she's a name. She's a former women's champion, former tag team champion. She's a name. Um, I don't really have any thoughts on it though. I don't, I've never, dis- I've never disliked. She's a very unsafe woman at times, you know? Um, but I will say this though, like for as unsafe as she is, there's other people that have hurt her. Do you guys not remember? And I, I'm not justifying anything. I'm just I, 
I, I was asked to talk about this. If I'm being 100% honest, I don't have a feeling towards it. Like I, I have more feelings pulling Honey Nut Cheerios into my bowl before I get the milk because then I do a little happy dance. Um, so I get more feeling from that right now. And so, um, personally, like I remember one time it was a match where her and Charlotte Flair actually were throwing blows, legit blows at each other, or yelling at each other, and she rocked Charlotte. Look, she can be a killer in that division. She can be. No pun intended. Jesus Christ, what a word I use there. No pun intended. Um, if she's work safer, it could be a thing, you know? So, I, 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 I got to leave it there. <laughs> I just, I don't, when I saw it, I said, damn, okay. But I wasn't surprised. I really wasn't. I just didn't get the feeling of AEW or anyone else wanted her. Like, she's, she, to me, she looks like the like, same way I, think, I feel about Bray Wyatt. Nia Jax just, Bleeds a uh, WWE. She just looks like the ult the, the ultimate AEW call creator wrestler. So like she just looks like that. Just some people that just look like that. It's like to me, I would not be surprised if Wardlow goes to WWE and reinvents himself because Wardlow, one he's not being booked well in AEW, but two he looks like someone that could be u- utilized very well in WWE. But like when I look at someone like um, Penta. He definitely fits more of them. I know he's been an impact. I know he's a former world champion. But he fits the more of the mold of an AEW than a WWE. Like, if you look at him, if you look at his style, he isn't, when he does his taunts, he never looks towards the cameras. He looks towards the fans. Like, he just, he's not built for that type of arena. He could, can he be successful? 100% he could be successful. It's just not, it's more of just not his, not his thing, right? Like, he fits more of the AEW mold. Um, Nia Jax just looks like she's meant to only be in WWE. So anyways, uh, Jay Cargill leaving AEW for WWE. Apparently she wrapped up this past week with another loss. I mean, she's 50-2. and two, And people were blaming Tony Khan for this. And it's really weird considering where were these people when they were bored with her streak? I honestly don't know what Tony more Tony Khan could have done. If she's going to WWE, it's because she wants to go to WWE. Like, she's been marketed very well, in my opinion. She gets always gets the big entrances. She's always flashy. Unless something comes out that I missed or I don't know, and this is why I'm looking forward to, like, whenever it's official, because I'm assuming that she's going straight to the main roster. Um, I'm assuming whatever I'm hearing, the, the, the stories of why she's leaving, then I'll have more of an opinion on this. But right now, she's the first, I think, first ever black person character wrestler to ever appear in a cover of a video game well the rock's the first i guess but like let's use woman let's say black woman then um on a, on a video game she has her own action figure and she has two action figures actually i think i think one was more of the uh what's the word i'm looking for here it was the chase edition variety i had to look back at my action figure sorry um she she was given fifty and literally and she literally helped the, kept the TNT title for as long as she did because Chris Stadler got hurt so she, she so she technically had a, close to another year with around with the belt that she probably wasn't supposed to have so I don't know exactly um, I don't know exactly what more he could have done she she got on TV she said her her catchphrase um, I know cut the shit was a thing cut the shit Tony. Um, I'm really interested in, I, I honestly have not done much research on this. I've not seen Dave Meltzer tweet anything or about the stories of why she's leaving or why she's unhappy. Um, she has gone through the entire mid card women's division though. 
the only people she has not wrestled is Britt Baker, Tony Storm, Soraya. I think that's it. I, I'm not sure about Sheeta. I don't know if her and Sheeta ever fought. I, I'm going to say yeah, because Sheeta at one point in time was being treated as more of a disposable wrestler anyway. Think about this also. For all the people that have been... that I, I'm just now getting into AEW Fight Forever because I, I told myself I wasn't going to play Road to Elite until Keith Lee came out. And Keith Lee came out a couple weeks ago. And so I finally played Road to the Elite. I have my whole thoughts on that, which I'll get into at some point in time. And um, I completely forgot Brody Lee was in the game. I forgot Paul White was in the game. And you know Jade is in the game. Jade is in the game because she's on the cover. And she's in the game. So I, I, I don't know what more Tony Khan could have done. She's very marketable. She's made herself a very marketable woman. And honestly, it might just come down to money. Maybe Tony Khan doesn't want to pay her. No, because uh, cause she had way she has way more to do in the company. Yes, she's the inaugural TNT champ, the TBS champion. Excuse me. She has yet to win the Owen. She has yet to win um, the women's the world women's championship, which does which is above that championship. So I don't know. She's never main evented a show at all. Um, that a, a dynamite. So I'm not. I, I don't know what why she's unhappy. I'm sure she has her reasons. And honestly, WWE. TKO might be paying her a boatload of money. Sometimes it is just physically responsible. Financially irresponsible. Physically irresponsible. I said irresponsible the first time, I think. To not take the fucking money. T- Terry Funk had a great line in, in, uh, in, in, um, in, in a documentary I watched him. He said, I could have been an, a millionaire 20 times over if I would have done the things I was, air quotes, supposed to do. I did the things I wanted to do. That's cool. He made that decision, which made it comparable. Some people are like, man, I got a time shelf on this. I got a, sh- uh, a timeline on this. Let me get this money. Jade is going to be a megastar. She looks absolutely fantastic. She is definitely marketable in any form or fashion. When movies and stuff like that comes back, she will be doing that. So I need to hear more before I make a final judgment and knock Tony Khan. Because I don't know why she would be leaving. There you go. PWI top 10. I know people get all excited and angry about this list, but the top 10 list is very fascinating this year. The top 10 are as counts in order from 1 to 10. Seth Rollins is number 1. Roman Reigns is number 2. You just lost one spot last uh, from last year. John Moxley's number 3 up 3 spots. Gunther is number 4. Vakingo 5. MJF 6. Okada 7. Orange Cassidy, eight. Oh, boy, I can feel the hate from that one. Uh, uh, Josh Alexander, nine. And Cody Rhodes, ten. Um, I, I think everyone knows this is a kayfabe list by now. But if you don't, cool. Look here. I don't think you can really argue with any of these names being on this list. Because look at the year Gunther's had. He's now the longest-running intercontinental champion. In this, in this last year, he's had... Not this is part of qualifications, but he's had two five-star classic matches. He's had um, great matches on TV to retain the title, all this type of good stuff. He he is a man. Uh, John Moxley, in a year's time, has become the ace of AEW. I keep saying that. Uh, three-time AEW women, uh, world's champions. Woman, listen to me. World's champion, one-time interco- uh, international and current international champion. Roman Reigns is Roman Reigns. We need to say his stuff. Uh, Seth Rollins is the inaugural World Heavyweight Champion. You know, and he's been wrestling a lot more. So, uh, I don't know if it's more than Moxley, but 
it's it's he, he he's clearly a big piece uh to the puzzle and that's why you need another world champion because Re- reigns very rarely wrestles uh vikingo he's been all over the place whether it's aew or or triple a and he's still there he's still their world champion mjf been world champion since last november um he's wrestled more this past summer than he has than he has ever but um for the most part he had a classic match with brian danielson that's going to be in everyone's top 10 by the end of this year for sure i'm for sure of that um okada what can you say uh okada former iwgp champion had a match with a, a great match with brian danielson probably going to have another one with him in january the uh, the tokyo dome so what I mean come on now let's let's just go with this orange cassidy the most defenses of a title in aew history even if he fought nothing but mid cars he made that title feel so special and he elevated the international championship to a level that's beyond the tnt championship and it actually makes you forget who the tnt champion is and as i'm talking right now i'm struggling to remember who the fucking tnt champion is who is a tnt champion seriously um tnt champion who was the last tnt champion it was hobbs and War- christian okay yeah um well luchasaurus but um but as i'm even saying it that's that's sad i wasn't even trying to be funny like as i was talking i was trying to think in my mind to say my next word and i legit forgot but he has elevated the air the air national championship main evented a pay-per-view before the tnt championship did think about that so yeah orange cassie should be on the list josh alexander came back from his his achilles and he's been on fire he, he does not have his he, he does not have his world title yet but he's he's on the road to getting it and speaking of roads cody rhodes you what a year he's had it's the first two matches with brock lesnar were not impressive at all you end up having another third match which was much 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 better got the endorsement had a classic match with roman reigns at wrestlemania that ended that people still feel ended um the wrong way um also you have um his promo segments and the, the, the things he does so i think the top 10 is the right top 10 even if it is kayfabe so I, I will i will let everyone else be mad about this list i, I never care about him dynamite john moxley retains his international championship against big bill making him tap out in the triangle choke samoa joe wins the tournament and will face mjf he chokes out cole at the end of it roddy faked his injury so good he looked like fucking who is the guy off off of friday oh it's my neck my back my neck and my back he pulled that it was great this is probably the best character work i've ever seen roderick strong do and i'm loving i don't know where this is going i have no clue where this is going um because at this point it's like one of those things where I, it makes me wonder about the main event next week i'm like really like on uh pins and needles the word this is excited to know what this where this is going because I'm like, yo, like what, like what's happening with this? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, wh- what does this mean for? Will they get involved in? I don't, I don't, I don't know. But like, with all these parties being involved, I can see there being a situation where someone accidentally costs MJ up the title if they, if they, if they chose to go that route. You know, but like I don't know. But when I seen Roderick Strong see Adam Cole and he just slipped back down, I said, "This is, this is the." I'm sorry, this is the best character work Roderick Strong has ever done, and I love every second of it. So, so phony baloney, man. So here we go, Grand Slam. As we're, I think we're starting to wrap up this episode. Yeah, we're, we're wrapping up after this. Um, and you guys actually don't mind when I go much longer, so it doesn't matter. So 
Grand Slam. Here are my predictions. You have Christian Cage and Luchasaurus in a tag team match versus Sting and Darby Allen. Sting and Darby Allen are undefeated. They're like 21-0 in tag team matches. And so someone has to give them a loss. And with the current state that Nick Wayne, I see Nick Wayne going heel. I think this is how you can get him to go heel. It's costing them a match. I don't know if, I don't know if it'll be Sting to take the pin. Sting is very giving, so I'm sure he wouldn't mind. But I'm gonna say Darby takes the pin. And Cage and Luchasaurus, Christian Cage and Luchasaurus will be the first ones to give these guys a loss in their tag team history in AEW. It feels like a long shot, but someone needs to give him a loss. Because like they're tw- dude. Their record speaks alone of why they should be the number one contender for tag team titles. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I know they don't do talk about the rankings as much as they used to, but, like, dude, it, they're, they're, they're undefeated, you know? Um, Chris Jericho versus Sammy Guevara. I have Chris Jericho winning. This is going to lead to Sammy Guevara essentially going crazy, trying to get a pinfall victory over his mentor. This will lead to multiple matches, I believe. Tony Storm going for her third AEW World Women's Championship against Soraya. I don't see them putting the belt back on Tony Storm. I see Ruby Soho getting involved in this, so I see Ruby more screwing Tony Stark, o- uh, Tony Storm over, excuse me. So that kind of makes her go into like her even more of her uh, delusional mindset, you know. Claudio Castagnoli versus Eddie Kingston, title for title, strongweight championship versus the ROH World Championship. They did not wait for an ROH pay per view for this. They are actually putting it on Dynamite. I have to imagine they're putting it on Dynamite in Queens, in Eddie Kingston's hometown for a reason. I'm believing that reason is that he will leave a double champion and finally get the dupe over Claudio. Ray Phoenix challenges John Moxley for the international championship. He's looking for some some retribution after his his uh, his uh, beatdown. He will not get it. John Moxley will retain his international championship, and I think it will be a hell of a fight. And finally, the main event, Samoa Joe, the Ring of Honor TV champion versus the the AEW World Heavyweight Champion, who is quickly approaching, quickly approaching one year as world champion in a month and a half. I have here circled MJF. I think Samoa Joe should win, though. I think they should. I think. Uh, look here. I know people have asked the question. Why all of a sudden is Samoa Joe pushing uh, MJF and reminding us of the story when he had nothing to do with it? I honestly think this is a thank you to him for being professional that day. By the way, somebody on Instagram caught video of Punk blading at um at L- in London, like when he got thrown through the table and you could see him like poking his, poking himself um, underneath the, the thing. You could actually see it. That, that was interesting. Um, I think it's kind of a thank you because apparently he was super professional. He's the one that convinced CM Punk to ha- to, to continue to have the match. Um, I think it was more of just a thank you to Punk uh, to, to Joe, honestly, um, for being. I mean, he's been on TV more, and that was because Punk wanted to work with them. But I think this is just a thank you uh, because one, there is a story there, and two, supposedly he was very very professional about everything. <laughs> I have MJF circled. I think they should put the title on Joe though. I really do. I think it could get some, some some buzz going. Now you have this guy who's ROH TV champion for over a year plus. Nothing more he can do for that title. And now you make him an AD. He's a former TNT champion. Two-time AD, a TNT champion he is. That's how Joe is. You would never know it because they played hot potato with that title. 
But yes, he's a former two-time TNT champion already. Why not put the why not put it on him? He he clearly has a lot left in the tank. I would put the title on him. And if you beat him, how are you beating him? Because right now Samoa Joe has been built to be a killer. He only lost to a Pepsi plunge. Otherwise, he's been choking everybody out. You know what? Fuck it. I got Samoa Joe winning. I I I I know it's unlikely, but I don't see why they shouldn't. It will bring more eyeballs to the product right now. You can continue, and you can always give MJF the title back in 11 days anyway. You can make it one of those hot potato things, but it makes sense because Joe's on such a run that MJF just because think about this. I'm thinking about a storyline in 2002 where after Brock Lesnar defeated Undertaker in the Hell in a Cell, which was one of the most brutal Hell in a Cell matches I've ever seen in my fucking life, uh, he, he, it was a slow, but, but it was a yeah, slow, but it was, it was a, uh, a, a, a medium spin on a face turn. And you had Paul Heyman saying, Hey, Big Show's attacking him. Big Show's attacking him. Hey, you can't, you, you're, you're too injured. You can't beat Big Show. You need to leave this alone. You need to leave this alone. And, and Brock Lesnar wasn't listening to him. So we get to Madison Square Garden where Paul Heyman turns on Brock Lesnar at the first time. And, Paul White, Big Show, wins another WWE Championship by defeating Brock Lesnar. Now, he was a transitional champion, too, because he the next month, they only put the belt on him to put the belt on Kurt Angle the next month because they were building to Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar. And they didn't want Kurt beating him at Survivor Series. You can do the same thing here. You have Wrestle Dream at, um, in, at uh, October 1st. I think a, a, a run with the title. And even then, what you can even do is, is have Joe hurt him then have him defend the title against Adam Cole and um, Adam Cole looking for vengeance, I'm doing air quotes, for his poor friend, the, 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 um, what is their name? Matt Taven, the kingdom, they screw Adam Cole over. So that's how uh, Joe gets the win at Wrestle Dream. You build to freaking full gear and then MJF gets his title back. Look right there, easy booking. You can't tell me that booking doesn't make sense. And at full gear, you can finally have the blow off of whatever this story is with the kingdom and Roddy and Adam and Adam Cole. I I think they should put the title on Samoa Joe. They should do what WWE did not have the guts to do in in was it 2015 or 20 whatever it was. Put the world title on Joe, and that way he can then relinquish the ROH TV title. That title's been held hostage, you know, because no one could. If you look at the people they've been putting against him, there's no one that whoever beats him should be elevated to a next level. There's, there's just no one there right now, so I don't know. That's just my opinion on that. But that's my show. I, I've even though I have MJF circle, I'm going with Samoa Joe. So look here, guys. Um, I'm as of right now, my plan is to do a show. I already have one show locked down, which is the, which is my aqua. My thoughts on Aquaman. Um, this this Wednesday, but if time permits for me. I'm going to do a show and drop it around 11.30 p.m. Wednesday night. And it'll be a review, strictly a review, of Grand Slam. Now, if something happens on Raw, I'll talk about that, too. But as of right now, it will be strictly about uh, Grand Slam. So, I um, hope you guys enjoyed the What If this week. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I am the Slow Chemical, and we are out.